It is Locked On Jazz for Monday, July 11th. Rudy Gobert, the aging process and future performance in question. I don't think I'd buy it, but it's worth discussing. Malik Beasley wins the day, and Walker Kessler shows an interesting perspective. Plus, what to watch in the remaining days of Summer League. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen. We are free and available on all podcast apps for you, and we're here for you each and every day. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. We're also available on YouTube, and you can be part of the YouTube community. We try to premiere the show at a similar time every day. Today's a little later. I'm on the West Coast. and have some parental issues to take care of, good things. Um, and uh, so we try to premiere it so the community can be together and chat each and every day. All right, today's show, I listened to a really interesting podcast from True Hoop about player value, and then they that stemmed them into a long conversation about Rudy Gobert. Um, Henry Abbott... Uh, Runs True Hoop, does a great job. David Thorpe was on it. And they actually have a new stat they were looking at that um, was really interesting. So I'm going to kind of try to talk about it a little bit. I don't totally buy the impact it has on Rudy Gobert um, and that discussion. Um, but I do I do think the, it's an interesting discussion. Okay, so we'll, we'll, I'll get into that Um I just want to be clear on that. And then uh, we got introduced yesterday to Malik Beasley, Walker Kessler, Jared Vanderbilt, and uh, Leandro Balmero, and uh, I thought they were great. Uh, but I thought Malik Beasley and Walker Kessler won the day, and I'll talk about why. And finally, um, some things to look at for something. So this True Hoop is a site run by Henry Abbott, subscription. Um, they have a good podcast with David Thorpe and Jared. Um, they do really, really good work. So that's the first thing. There, the, the concept of bonus wins is working off Tyler, uh, Taylor Schnarr, who's a Utah guy whose uh, dad is a longtime um, jazz employee, and then Taylor was actually a jazz guy, and he's now started a website, Dunks and Threes. And if you haven't subscribed to Dunks and Threes, I suggest it. It's a really interesting analytical website, and we'll dig into it in a second. And so they take Dunks and Three, and then they take the concept that, uh, and Dunks and Three has a statistic called estimated plus. Minus, and then it also has a statistic that gives you basically the estimated uh, win value of um, of how many win, estimated wins a player brings to his team. Um, and it's an interesting concept. Uh, like Nikola Jokic, for example, uh, I think led the league last year in estimated wins um, in what he brings to the team with, if I remember correctly, it's like 20... 22 or something like that. That was like kind of the big... Steph Curry was at like 15. Giannis was at 14 or 15. That's kind of the concept. And so then they took the idea that an average win is worth $3.35 million. And so if Nikola Jokic is bringing in 20 wins and each win is 3.35, then his salary value should be upwards of $60 million. 
and that's what he's bringing to your club. If you know, so if you have an estimated win of one, your salary should be three point three five million. It's an interesting way to look at how you build a roster. And so in the case of Memphis, where Desmond Bain at, on a rookie salary contributing what he does, I believe had the largest amount of what they call bonus wins of any player in the NBA. That bonus wins um, is is the idea of how many wins you're bringing to your team above what you're getting paid, right? So Desmond Bain's earning you know, $3 million a year or something, probably less than that on his rookie contract. And he's contributing, you know, t- you know, call it eight, nine wins. Well, that's, you know, he's way, way above. Trey Young, for example, is one of the leaders in the league in bonus wins because he's just not, he's not on his new contract yet. And so he's, he's actually, he gets 11.7 bonus wins a year compared to salary, where someone like Durant is only at 0.5, LeBron's at only 0.5 bonus wins because they're, and even Steph Curry's only at 1.6 bonus wins because they're they're getting paid so much that they're performing what they want to. So the idea, the key here is obviously that you don't ever want to have somebody who's getting paid far more than they're contributing. That's bad. And then the key is that you've got to really prosper in the moments in which you have a young player who's giving you bonus wins. So Luca right now is only getting paid about nine million dollars a year, so that would be three wins. And yet Luca's contributing about 12 wins a year, so he's at like nine bonus wins. If this makes sense. So this is this, this concept, and they got into it in regards to roster building, and then it got super interesting in regards to Rudy Gobert because their point on Rudy Gobert was that at this point, Rudy's really valuable. He's at about 12 wins, estimated wins on Taylor Schnarr's drunk, drunks, dunks and threes, and he's at 12 wins overall, but he's getting paid for about 11 of them. Well, he's about to get paid a lot more than that, and he's about to get paid you know, $40, $45 million as he's aging. And then they got into this idea that Rudy's actually really aging. And they had this kind of statistical analysis that Rudy is beginning to show signs of decline and that Rudy's contract at $40, 45000000 million as he's aging and his, his bonus wins will fall behind his actual payment. And at that point, it's almost you can't really win that way. I'm not sure that I buy Rudy's aging, honestly. And this might be, this is me not being analytical, frankly. The analytics, I actually went and dug into them. They're pretty interesting. This is me much more saying, like, I know Rudy. I see Rudy work out. I know how committed Rudy is. I think he'll age as well as any athlete in the NBA because of his commitment to excellence, because of how well he takes care of his body. But... I'll share some of the numbers for you. It's interesting. So if we go to Taylor Schnarr's uh, estimated plus minus, Rudy Gobert has his best year in 2017 as a plus seven. And on the defensive end, he was a plus five that year. In 2018, he has a less good year. That's year he's hurt. So in 2019, he goes to plus 5.9 wins. 2020, he's at plus 5.9 wins. 2021, he's at plus 6.9 wins. And then last year, he drops to plus 5.1. Now, he's still in the 98th percentile of all wins, so I'm not particularly looking at this saying, like, Rudy's fading in any way at all. But it is at least interesting, and particularly on the defensive end, that last year's estimated plus minus on the defensive end 
was Rudy's lowest number of his career. Now, I'm not sure that I buy that this is Rudy aging. I do think there could be an argument here that the league is adapting to Rudy. So, for example, when I look at some of Rudy's numbers last year, and Rudy last year defended 7.2 shots a game inside six feet, and he was brilliant. Teams only shot 51% when he defended the shot. 13 points better than league average. He was third best in the league. The 51% off the 49. He was a year before 50, but who cares? That's like. But here's what's interesting on that. The two prior years, Rudy was defending eight shots a game at six feet. This year, he averaged seven. Okay, it's only one shot, but it's also 10 to 15%. Overall in games, Rudy last year defended 21 shots, and in the year, two years prior, he averaged 22 and 23. And again, he was brilliant. Teams only made 41.6% of the shots that he defended, and which is seven percentage points better than league average. And this is right where he's been incredibly for the last years. But that's interesting to me. Two years ago, he impacted 23 shots a game. And now he's 10, 21. That's a 10% drop. And I'm not buying that that is Rudy Gobert aging. But I am willing to buy that that's Rudy Gobert, the league adapting a little bit, and Rudy Gobert being a little less impactful. Um, now, the one number that they quoted that then I went and looked up was that Second Spectrum has Rudy slowing down. So... Second Spectrum keeps a player's average speed in their player tracking, and a lot of Taylor Schnarr's work is based on player tracking. And Rudy Gobert's player tracking, his average speed in the 18-19 season was 4.2 miles per hour. And in the 19-20 season, it was 4.06. And in the 2021, it was 4.08. And last year, it dropped to 4.02. Okay, so from 4.2 to 4.02 in a three-year span seems like a lot. I would quickly point out that this is a three-year run of games together that was without the usual amount of break because of COVID and some things like that. So again, I'm putting a big caveat on this. If if Rudy Gobert was a jazz player, I would tell you I don't buy this. So I'm going to tell you if he's a Minnesota Timberwolf, I don't buy it. But it's at least interesting. One of the things they pointed out was that when players age... They, their percentage of minutes that they're slow increases. Rudy's gone from 70% of his minutes to slow, running on the floor slow, to 72. Again, I'm going to go with that I think that there are uh, other mitigating factors. One, that the team wasn't as good last year. Two, that the three years in a row of play. And, and, I, and I know how hard Rudy works and what he does for his body, so I'm not buying into it. But it's It's actually an interesting data point. And then when you put it in the context of bonus wins, which were this idea that you're getting paid a number, you have an estimated value, you reach for that number, and if you start to slide underneath it, it's really, really hard for your team to be able to win unless they have some other players that are exceeding that number a great deal. Um, And then that that makes some of this Rudy conversation to me really interesting, that Okay, there are data points here that says that at 30 years old, which big men usually do, he's beginning to slow down. Eh. But there's an unquestionable data point on this bonus wins concept that last year, Rudy Gobert, in a very, very good year, in a 98th percentile year, 
he he was paid for eleven wins. He got twelve. So his bonus wins last year was one point one six, and his salary is only going to increase. Do you believe that he actually could have contributed more wins than in the upcoming seasons than he did? In this year, now that's where I would say, yeah, probably not. Now, last this year was down. He was at eleven point seven. He was up at fourteen point seven, fourteen point two, fifteen point six. I mean, his estimated wins go from fifteen point six to fourteen point two to fourteen point seven to eleven point seven. And his best year in twenty seventeen, he's at eighteen point six. So, if you take out the twenty eighteen year, where he only plays fifty six games, you actually have a trend of him at eighteen point six to fifteen point six to fourteen point two to fourteen point seven to eleven point seven. That would at least, if you believed in in Taylor Snar's estimated win number and you understood it, and I'm in a front office, that would at least give me pause. But it's an interesting question. So I just wanted to share it's a fabulous podcast. Tip of the hat to Troop. Tip of the hat to Taylor Snar, Dunks and Threes. It's like 15 bucks to get your stuff for the year. You might want to consider that. Um, I think Taylor does great work. He's a local kid, and I like to support him. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, so... That was just a discussion. I'm not, like, making some great takeaway proclamation here that the Utah Jazz did a brilliant job of trading Rudy Gobert because he's aging. Into, no. But I do think the discussion of whether or not Rudy Gobert is on a trajectory to ever be worth the last two years of his contract is a really legitimate discussion. And when the Jazz talk about reopening a window, that might be a little bit of what they're talking about in the sense of the window closing is that when your players are no longer exceeding the win total of their what they're getting paid, it's super hard to build a roster without a bunch of young kids or some other things that are going to get you up to that number. Like Luca and Trey are easy right now. They're top draft picks. They're performing. They're unbelievable. Desmond Bain is hitting late in the draft. It's exactly what Rudy and Donovan were for us before they got their their deals. And now what are they what are they doing? So interesting discussion on that. Yesterday we met Malik Beasley, and yesterday we met Walker Kessler and Jared Vanderbilt and Leandro Balmero. And um, I thought Malik Beasley and I thought um, uh, Walker Kessler were fabulous, and I want to share it uh, the, about both of them. Uh, with you. Today's show is a Monday edition and it's brought to you by my good friends over at Murdoch Chevy, located in Woods Cross, also located in Logan. The Chevrolet lineup of trucks is the best. I mean the best. The Silverado, I call it the lazy boy of trucks. Why? Not because there's anything lazy about it. It's power, it's sufficient. Boom! But you're sitting in it, you're driving, you're chilling. It's amazing. It's like you're higher in the road, the car, it's so smooth. It's absolutely fabulous in every way, shape, or form. The second uh, is the Colorado, which is the zippy, kind of smaller truck, utility truck around, and those are great. The SUV lineup of the Chevy lineup is amazing, and then the Bolt is the electric vehicle that a lot of my friends have and are raving over. It's all available at Murdoch Chevy. If you're going to head over there, feel free to email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com. We'd love to take care of you. Today's Monday edition is also brought to you by Bet Online. Get the latest on all the odds, numbers, the rest at betonline.net, your number one source for betting needs and sports information. All the latest sports developments, the Major League Baseball world is going on right now, and Bet Online is your continued source for all sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and uh, you also can bet Summer League, by the way. If, if you need to, you can bet Summer League lines. The Jazz playing tonight against Dallas. 
and the Jazz are a two-point favorite over the Mavericks in Summer League. How do they possibly know this? That is so crazy to me um, that they actually think that they have those things um, down. Um, They also have a bunch of regular season props up and available. Chet Holmgren's blocks per game is over-under at two. Jabari Smith points per game is at 16.5. Keegan Murray... Murphy, who's dominant, or Keegan Murray, who's dominating summer league there as well. That's all available at betonline.net. All right, uh, great article today at ksl.com by Ben Anderson on Malik Beasley. And um, even has a picture that I think is relevant. Um, and that is that Malik Beasley, who has had some off court problems in his career, in 2020, he pled guilty to a felony for threats of violence. Um, he was sentenced to 120 days of a jail sentence in the 2021 season. I think he ended up spending about 90 days in a house arrest. Um, he basically pointed a gun at a family member uh, parked near his home, and then they searched his home and found narcotics and numerous guns, including a stolen gun. So um, this was not good. So Malik Beasley shows up to a Zoom yesterday wearing a tie. And his basically says, I'm here to rebrand myself, reestablish who I am, reintroduce myself, um, even kind of quoted, Jay, I think it was Jay-Z. Um, and he says, I've been through a lot over the last few years, and my main goal is to be way better off the court. Um, and I, I asked him then, and we'll see if we can get the audio for you, um, though my audio was terrible. Um, and the whole article is up at kslsports.com by Ben Anderson. So I asked him, like, why? Like, what's... And he said, I love this. He said, my family has been a big influence to me. My therapist has been a good influence because I get to help now weekly, bi-weekly. So just continue to be strong on and off the court. A few things. I just love the fact that we are beginning to break through it to a point in which a professional, particularly male, athlete is willing to say he's a therapist. The idea that we expect that these 21, and he went to one year at Florida State, he probably came in the league at 20, that we can hand millions of dollars to 20-year-old people, 22, 24, 25, frankly, 31, I don't have millions, but I'll take it. Um, So the fact that we hand these people this money and put them under a spotlight and a microscope of constant evaluation at all times in an incredibly insecure world with 18,000 people watching and evaluating and millions evaluating on social network every minute of the day. And then, like, they should all be seeing some sort of therapist. They should all be spending time with sports psychologists and therapists. Every single one of them. It is not a natural way to live for any of these kids. Um, you know... Even high school athletes, frankly, I watch, I'm watching some of it up close personally. It's not natural. It's not a natural expectation to ask these kids to, to be able to handle this. It's not a natural expectation for most of the kids, just high school kids right now, in general, the amount of pressure. But for these athletes, so the idea that Malik Beasley, I just love it, is was willing to come to a press conference and say, my therapist has been a good influence on me. Great. Outstanding. Congratulations. Praise, 100% praise, way to go, way to take control of your own life, way to try to get better, way to try to improve. It's what all of us are trying to do 
And yet somehow we had built this like model that super athletes were supposed to be superhuman with this incredible coat of armor around them that made it so that they would never feel anything when the fact of the matter is they actually live despite them. The money actually makes it worse in this circumstance. The most insecure life imaginable before they're formed, before they know who they are in an environment where they're really not learning the basic skills of life that they need to because everyone's taking care of them all the time, where they're being just pounded with constant critiques and criticism and adulation and praise in an unnatural way on both ends of the spectrum. It's just insane. Probably the correct term there because you need it pushes you toward that and that's why any of these people, I, I would hope that every single one of our athletes could openly just say, yeah, I'm seeing my therapist and have been really helpful. That That is the whole point. We're living this life to get better every day. That's like at 51, I'm still reading every book I can find, figuring out how I can be a better jazz employee, figuring out how I can be a better locked-on CEO, all these various things. And Malik Beasley is doing the same thing. Sure, I didn't get house arrest. Certainly, that's not great. Different environments yield to different mistakes. My mistakes have been real, too. They're just not like that public. All of us have made mistakes along the way. And so I think that we have to just really praise someone when they're willing to just that openly say it. And I asked, like, is that Kevin Love? Was that DeMar DeRozan? What led to that? He said, no, I just I just need to take care of myself. I just need to get better. It was just a wonderful one. I'm rooting for Malik Beasley. I don't know if what we saw yesterday was a show, was a facade, but I can tell you this. It was a well-intended show. or well in, We'll see over time, right? That's all you can let someone. And we then should have patience. Because some people have issues and problems and things that take more than just one little meeting with a therapist or a weekly therapist or bi-weekly therapist. They take years and decades and time. And so you give should give people that. We don't have a lot of patience in this world for these kind of things. But in this case, I'm rooting for this guy. Because the fact that Right there. I, and I'm so impressed that he was willing to come out and just say that. And I think it's wonderful. The fact that we're opening the door in society to make that non-stigmatized is terrific. The fact that we have an athlete who is willing to just drop it out there in his first meeting as a member of the Utah Jazz, with his first meeting with members of the Utah Jazz media, in his first meeting and introduction of terrific. And even better if he's really going bi-weekly. Right? Like, we don't know. He just said it. So there's always skepticism as a media member when you hear something because you don't want to, you just don't naturally buy it. But I'm going to just support 100% and say how wonderful I think it is that here Malik Beasley kind of openly said that because the value of that for so many other people is actually what really matters there more. So I'm all in. He also said, I'm just tried, tired, and I asked him a little bit of what drove him to get to that. And he said, I'm just tired of making the same mistakes that I've made before, and I don't want to go through that anymore. I believe in second chances. I believe everything happens for a reason. So I feel like I can just do better in the world. How great. How truly great is that? Good article, kslsports.com. Thanks to Ben Anderson uh, for putting those quotes out there. Um, and I'm reading straight from his article. I was on the call, but I didn't have a chance. To, if I couldn't get access to it, so I, um, I or I would have played it for you. How wonderful is that? Uh, go Malik Beasley. And Walker Kessler with a super intellectual take on things. He will not participate in Summer League, but I also have some interesting things on Summer League for you to kind of keep an eye on. 
uh, here. Today's show is brought to you, uh, and we'll hear the Walker Kessler intellectual take on um, defending and what he, uh, why he had set the NCAA record for shot blocking here in a second. Today's show is brought to you uh, by Rock Auto. With ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's nearly impossible for your local chain store to keep up with everything. And there's no reason for you to be paying 30 50 or even 100% more for the same parts a chain store or car dealership. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you could need from brake parts, tail lamps, carpets, whatever it is. So go explore their easy-to-navigate old-school website today and find the solution to your auto part needs. RockAuto.com. Please be sure to write Locked On in the How Do You Hear About Us section. It's amazing selection. It's reliable low prices. It's all the parts your car will ever need. It's RockAuto.com. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. Locked On NBA is your daily podcast 30 minutes every single day, updating you on all the big stories of the NBA. So make sure you grab that next on Locked On NBA. So, again, thanks to Ben Anderson because he had this quote for me. Um, you can catch Ben and um, uh, Jake every day on 1280 The Zone um, and read Ben's stuff. So, Walker Kessler, <clears throat> I thought this was interesting. I asked him why, what, what he allowed him to set the shot block record. And he said, I think, obviously, height and length has a lot to do it. But as I spoke earlier about where to go where to go there and how his timing is, he's talking about uh, Rudy Gobert. Um, but as I spoke earlier about Rudy Gobert and how his timing is and how he attacks the ball in a strategic way, it's very analytical. This is high-level stuff. Alex Jensen worked a lot with Rudy Gobert. Quinn Snyder worked a lot on Rudy Gobert on these little tiny jab steps at the ball handler that makes the ball handler hesitate and breaks their timing. We'd sit in practice, and they literally would have Rudy like jab at it. Like, how do you jab at a ball handler coming in on the pick and roll so that they freeze up for a second and then still keep your balance so that you can retreat back as they continue to attack how do you jab in a way that alters their rhythm and their pattern? It's it's not only is Rudy's length part of the reason why everyone shot such a low percentage against him, but it's also that he had them off balance, he broke their timing, and how he used that length by reaching out, jabbing, putting, look, just changing someone's um, pacing was so important to what he did. It's a subtle little thing, and for Walker Kessler to already be aware of that before he comes to the NBA is a pretty interesting comment. So he said... You know, like obviously it's height and length, but as I spoke earlier about where go bear and how his timing and how you know he attacks the ball in a strategic way, it's very analytical. Kessler continued, I think that watching film and understanding what the guard is going to do, um, and what the person is going to do, understanding when to jump, where to be vertical, where to attack the ball. Again, very high level stuff here. Now, NBA players are way better than anything he's ever seen, and whether his athleticism can match that or not will be what dictates his career. But this is a great start to understand. Like, well, all right, John Morant wants to take his floater at 8 feet. Can I make him take it at 10? Can I make him take it at 9.5? It's just little, tiny, incremental changes that make a difference. I think I approach the defensive side of the game a lot differently than a lot of other players, said Kessler. You know, it's not just about blocking shots. It's about how you block those shots, how do you stay out of foul trouble, when to attack, um, when to just be in the way. Really interesting kind of there. So then I asked 
a follow-up of like, well, where did this come from? Like, how did you learn this? He does come from a family of basketball players. So his dad played at Georgia, his brother played at Georgia, his uncle played at Georgia. So he's he grew up around it. He did sound like he had a pretty normal childhood. He talked about reading Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and being kind of a geek and he taught or a nerd, I think he said. And he talked about his family taking, you know, lake vacations out in the lake growing up in Georgia. So I think this is a pretty normal, you know, I don't know what normal is, okay? So let's call it stereotypically traditional um, upbringing. And it doesn't sound like basketball was, like, driven at him at every moment of the day. So I asked him where it came from. And he said, last year, my role in the basketball team, we had offensive threats. He was at Auburn with Jabari Smith, who was the number three pick. And I understood that above all else, I just want to win the game. The last thing... It's the last thing I want to do. I think he means it's like the only thing he wants to do. I, so I stepped back and analyzed how I can affect this game and winning. And obviously you want to put the ball in the hoop more than the other team. But you also want to represent stopping the other team from putting the ball in the hoop. So he met with one of his assistant coaches at Auburn. And he really harped on being the best defensive player can be. And not just defending my man, but preventing the whole team from doing what they want to do. Frankly, that's a Rudy Gobert quote right there. I'm not saying in any way, shape, or form this guy's going to be the greatest defensive player to ever play in the history of the game. Don't misunderstand for one second what I'm saying. But that right there is a Rudy Gobert quote. That's what Rudy used to always say. Um, So I love the smarts on that. I love the kind of analytical, insight, film-watching, really interesting to hear a young... I mean, you know what's crazy to me? Like, just to share... Like, he's my son's age. Like, my son's pretty bright i'm pretty impressed by him too um but like my son's also not in the middle of a press conference um and just you know to the previous point signing million dollar contracts so these guys are just crazy young and we have to let them develop and just the fact that walker Kessler's was taking that approach was really good he will not participate in summer league he got a toe injury in pre-draft workouts um he's been cleared to resume but he's not um he's not going to participate all right final thing summer league obviously everyone's watching jared really closely um Putting the ball in the hoop is not the issue for him. It's going to be defending and playmaking. Uh, Simonich is super interesting to me. Continue to watch Simonich. I, I think the Jazz might be honest. And this guy was the EuroLeague next-gen MVP. So that is the like next generation of stars of Europe. He was the best player for that tournament. And then he kind of plateaued after that. And maybe he's figuring out his game and where he can be successful and where he can and what he can do. Um, this, the next aspect of that, um, and then the next one to watch is, is Balmero. And he really has a shooting issue. And that is going to be, you know, really what makes or breaks his career is whether or not he can ever figure out how to shoot. But he's not going to figure out how to shoot tomorrow, right? He's not going to suddenly go six for seven. This is going to be a long, progressive thing. He's never been a good shooter. It's not like he just slumped when he hit the NBA. He wasn't a great shooter in Europe. He wasn't a great shooter in Argentina, he, so he's gonna have, it's gonna have to be a progressive work up to thirty five percent three point shooting. So what you should be watch, what we should be watching for now with Balmero is whether is his playmaking, is playing with a pick and roll, playing with the ball. He's traditionally been a little loose and creative, and it causes some turnovers. So how does he deal with it, and what does he do, and does he make those plays, and does he make the non? And I want to see a little bit of this out of Jared too. I want to see the second pass. Like, in other words, okay, the obvious pass is right here. What about the next pass that really taxes the defense? Can at 6'7", Bomero make that pass better than some other people because of his size? Jared may not be able to make that because of his inability 
uh, because of his lack of size. But So that's what I want to watch. Enjoy Summer League tonight against Dallas. Back with you tomorrow for Locked on Jazz. I think some of this is a little complicated right now. We're, my daughter's playing Junior Worlds out here in San Diego. So um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of pulling and plugging and trying to find time. Have a great one. Thanks very much. Appreciate it.